Hello and a very warm welcome to a new episode of Women Build, brought to you by World Architecture News from Alison and now. In today's episode, we speak to Kelly McEachin, Senior Project Manager and Senior Designer at Perkins & Will's Austin Studio, about how they're using data to create worker personas to design office environments that suit different personalities and work styles. Kelly is focused on enhancing the pre-design discovery phase of a project to align clients' business strategies with their office designs. Before we begin, a quick reminder that WAN's Female Frontier Awards are open for entries and showcase the outstanding work from women of all ages at every level across the global built environment. The standard deadline is November the 11th, so head to wanfemalefrontierawards.com to find out more. So thank you very much for joining us this afternoon, Kelly. Really appreciate it. I think it's no stretch to say that COVID has put a pause on the traditional workplace and given companies a time to rethink about how they basically want to work in an office. So I'm wondering, what do you consider to be the most important design elements of a workplace? And what is the key thing to get right? Yes, good question. And thank you so much for having me today, Alison. I would say the most important factor here is adaptability. We know that things changed quite abruptly for our workplaces and our teams. And so being ready to make changes and respond to future needs and just being overall resilient with our workplaces is the most important thing that we can do moving forward. What are some of the physical changes that are occurring in offices? I'm thinking of airflow, contactless buttons, etc. Are you seeing a trend towards the selection of these? We definitely are. And especially in the beginning of the pandemic, that's really where our focus was going is how to create the safest work environment. I will say now that people have become vaccinated, their focus has gone away from that and a little more focused on autonomy over where and how they perform their jobs. But Of course, airflow is something that is very important when everyone's in an enclosed space together. One thing that we're really seeing a lot of our clients interested in is outdoor space, allowing an extension of the interior workplace to occur in outdoor areas. Now that works maybe better for us here in Texas than, you know, maybe for you in London, but either way, you know, allowing some technology components, some variety of spaces in outdoor areas that are protected from elements where people can go and take their masks off. They can invite visitors, clients into that space rather than bringing them into their enclosed office suites. That's really something that people are quite excited about incorporating. And is that a real change from what people used to have before? I think so. What we had before is thinking of the outdoor space as a place to have lunch or a place to just take a break. But now we really want to encourage 
people to have an outdoor meeting, get some focused work done outside, get that fresh air. That's that's the best air quality, right? Also, allowing the building to have operable windows or doors that allow kind of opening up, allowing that fresh air into the space is also a trend we're seeing. And are you finding now there's an expectation of people that they want to have access to outdoor space? You know, I don't know that people really know what to expect just yet. Uh, I think we're going to learn a lot as we move into being in the office more steadily and um, some things will occur that we'll have to make some adaption. But the expectations are something that we can manage with a change management process. Um, at Perkins and Will, we've got workplace strategies and a change management services that really I think is important for us at this point because everything is changing. Now we're trying to talk to people about how to use the office differently. What do you think is going to be the most challenging element here that needs to be thought about? I feel very much from what you're saying that we're at the beginning of quite a sea change here. We've done the immediate knee-jerk necessary reaction in terms of changing what was necessary. And now perhaps we're looking at a longer time span about how, as you say, we make these spaces adaptable and flexible. However, I'm thinking that will also bring other issues. For example, noise in open spaces. Do you think that's going to be a problem? You know, we're already seeing it as a problem. And I think it's a variety of impacts here. One, we've all gotten fairly used to being at home and in the privacy of our four walls and um, not having to compete with any other noise um, happening around us. So as we go back into the office, you know, our tolerance level for some of that noise may be different than it was. So while we know that that is a challenge for sure for our teams working in the office, we of course have the typical go-tos with sound absorbing materials and sound masking that is always important. But I also think that just desk orientation is a great solution that's often overlooked where people are not facing one another in a true model that we've done quite a bit most recently in densifying our offices. We've gone benching and everyone is kind of face to face. In thinking about maybe even the safety or health aspect of it, the sound aspect of this, rotating people and desks so that you're not directly facing someone is going to be one way to kind of mitigate the sound problem that we're seeing in the open office. I think that's a really good point. Um, Nav and I were actually back in, in an office setting yesterday and it became very clear that people were having meetings in the office but sitting in their seats, clearly doing them online. And that's an extra noise that didn't have to be managed before. Do you think organisations and companies are going to use this opportunity to try out new things such as rotating desks around? I see that organizations are t- 
taking this opportunity to really explore some new ideas, some new models of working since we're now you know, mainly trying to tackle a remote versus in the office solution. It's really giving everyone this platform to implement some other things that are important and maybe should have been addressed a long time ago. And we were just um, sailing along in our normal routine. Uh, so opportunities here to really improve processes and how technology can really best serve this workplace community. It's allowing us to evaluate everything, even carbon footprinting and, you know, inclusion and diversity. Are people still social distancing? Is that something that needs to be built into an ongoing office environment now? I see less of the social distancing, of course, you know, at this time and place that we're in with the majority of people being vaccinated. I see planning our spaces, our collaborative, our meeting spaces with choice in how involved you want to be in the conversation, almost layers of participation. So this ability to be, you know, in the meeting and interacting with the technology, brainstorming on the whiteboards, all the way to kind of being a spectator, you know, on the outer layers of the conversation or a virtual participant and having that ability to, depending on your comfort level, how involved you're going to be in that meeting. Of course, technology has to help us with all of that. And we've also been exploring how we're starting to set up collaborative meeting rooms with the less than traditional layouts that we all know. Is a long rectangular table with 10 chairs really the right solution for a meeting room these days, especially when most of those people or some of those people may be virtually attending? It's very hard to kind of see the people at the back of the table and recognize um, who is contributing to the meeting. So uh, I think we're just revamping again everything to suit our needs for now. Are you seeing people happily settling into these new ways or do you think we're, we're into more now a honeymoon phase for this sort of redevelopment, rethinking approach? I, I know that we will be learning and, and uh, adapting as people return to the office and we learn more of what's working and what's not working. And I think we're also still experiencing, are we the right fit for a remote worker or a hybrid worker? As we start to experience this, we may find that we want to change those definitions a bit. I really love this idea of piloting, uh, letting your team members know that this is something we're going to try for six months or a year. Touch base along the way. Gather people's in Input and ideas and improve upon it as we go. I think that's one way to kind of take some of the fear of this change and the settling in of each individual being able to say, I'm going to try going into the office three days a week. I'm going to see how that works for me. Mm. It's more of a mutual partnership deal, isn't it? And I, I do think that is the way forward. We've all been through such a changing experience and things possibly won't go back to the same pattern. How many offices would you say are actively back working now in the States? You know, it really differs by market sectors. You know, some of our, I, I'm in Austin, Texas, and, and we've got a lot of technology companies. Some of them are 
trying a go at no office whatsoever. We even have some who are reinventing uh, one in particular I'm thinking of is trying their hand at just a collaborative office only. It's really got no desks, no offices. It's a highly activated engagement space and any focused work really occurs remotely. So that's a lot of variety that we're seeing on our clients' end as far as trying to remove the office completely, redefine it. And we still have those that are trying to just go back to the office as it was five days a week and pretend like none of this ever happened. (laughs) So how do you think that workplaces are going to evolve then? Do you think that hybrid working is here to stay forever? Or do you think eventually people will go back to just being in the office full time as if none of this had happened? It's an interesting question, and I wish I had my crystal ball. I think we're at a pivotal point where if we do this correctly, we are really changing the face of work and what that looks like. If we do try to just rush a solution and not find all of the right pieces and parts to help us be successful, the pendulum will swing back to old norms, densification in the office. Again, if we have the right technology, the right mentality as far as our leadership of team members and and giving people autonomy over the work that they need to perform, I think in that scenario, we'd really find that hybrid working is, is here to stay. And how would you define an agile workplace? So originally, an agile work environment was a response to teams that had agile working functions. So this originally came from this idea that a team might have a variety of different ways they need to work. They might go into a war room or a team room to brainstorm together go back to their desks to work out some solutions independently, then go to a meeting. And and really this whole team was kind of evolving how they were working on products. And so we took that idea and realized that this really works for a variety of different teams. No one, very few people do the same activity every day, having all of these different options available to you within the work environment and now even outside the work environment to perform the task you have to perform in the right work setting. And moving on now to the data model and persona work that you've been doing at Perkins and Will. Can you just start by explaining what exactly it is you've done? Absolutely. Quite excited about this model. It's a tool that we brought about due to some of the resistance and fear that we were seeing our clients not really moving forward with decisions about their office environments. So this tool became a way of kind of predicting and running a variety of scenarios for our clients that is based on data rather than assumptions and guesses. So this tool really helps us evaluate the different user types that we call personas, how they all function and perform their jobs, and therefore how the space can best respond to those individuals. And where does the data that you use come from? So we have created a survey that goes to each end user, really identifying three different approaches 
to the survey and the data that we gather from the end users. One, we really look at what is the variety of tasks performed? Um, how complex are those tasks? Are they more collaborative? Are they more individualized and um, focused? We also look at what kinds of tools and resources the individual needs on a regular basis. That also includes access to team members or leadership. Lastly, we look at the preferences of individuals asking questions about their current remote situation and if it meets their needs for working remotely. The questions are really focused around those three ideas, and then we focus the data to come up with a solution for each user. So how many we recommend will be in the office how many will be moving back and forth between working remotely and in the office and who is really best suited for working in from home or in a remote location. So this data was then used and transformed into the personas that you work with, such as the transient and the nomad. Can you just run us through the other personas and what their differences are? Yes. What's interesting about this persona definition is we really can tailor it for an organization. We created six. There are two office first workers, two hybrid workers and two remote first workers. We do work with the leadership group stakeholders to understand the company culture, the tolerance level, the type of work they perform and where they see their organization going And then we survey each user. And between the data that we get from leadership and the user survey, we're really able to make these recommendations and categorize their team members. I'll start with the office first workers. We have the anchor who is an individual that really spends most of their time at the office working on individualized tasks that may be because they're remote work setting is not ideal for the type of work they need to perform. So they prefer to be in the office and focused at their desk or in their office for the work that they perform. The resident is also at the office quite a bit, but that is because this individual collaborates quite a bit with team members and uses resources at the office. So while this person is in the workplace on a regular basis, they're not tethered to their desk as much. They're moving about freely using a variety of different work settings within the office. You mentioned the two hybrid workers, the nomad and the transient. Both of these individuals are splitting their time between working from home and in the office or even a third place, but their jobs vary a little bit. So uh, the nomad does go into the office um, a little more because this person has a need to connect with the company culture, connect with their team. There's probably some mentoring and training that needs to happen with this individual, but they can do their focused work while working remotely and then connect with the team when they're in the office. And then the transient really has a lot of private phone calls, needs that privacy that really is well suited for them to be working in their home office. So they come into the office for meetings, to collaborate, and to connect with their team. And then we move on to the remote first workers. We've got a remote worker that 
really only comes in maybe one day a week. Again, their job is really individualized, um, not really working with teams very much. They're tied to their technology and they can really perform their jobs anywhere. Um, But they do come into the office to, again, connect with the team from time to time. We feel like that is a really important aspect. We can't 100% be remote. The trekker is an individual who is really on the go and traveling quite a bit. Not so much working from home, but working on the road, calling on clients. So both of these individuals, when they do come into the office, They may just need a place to touch down, plug in. In between meetings, they really won't need a desk. Those are our six persona types that we start with. And as we get to know the client and we get some of that user data, this may go down to four or three personas, or they may have all six or maybe even more. Um, It really just is something that is not a one size fits all, but we we're able to really tailor it to each organization's specific needs. And how has using this data model made it easier to design workplaces? So often, if I think about the idea of approaching a hybrid model, I feel like people are just focused on who's in the office, who's not, or how much someone is in the office. And what this persona model does is we're, that is a factor, how often they are in the office. But what we're really looking at is the type of work they perform when they're in the office so that we provide the right spaces and variety of spaces for each individual. And how does the data model and the personas take into account someone's attitudes towards work or their workload changing throughout a week? For example, I know I'm much busier on a Monday and a Tuesday and Friday I have more of an admin sort of day. How do you account for that? Right. Well, with the space allocation tool, we really start to build in a variety of different spaces. What we don't want to assume, and I think this is often a place where people have gone, is that collaboration happens in the office, focused work happens at home. So you don't need focused spaces in the office. And we're saying that's not the case. We really do need to provide variety and choice for the people who come into the office. And if they need quiet, we've got focus rooms, team rooms where you can conduct a presentation, meeting rooms that are set up for virtual participation, as well as amenities, kind of this idea of the cafe place to work in the office and your outdoor space. So really, if we provide all of these opportunities, then people can really choose and think through what tasks they need to perform and they can plan accordingly. You know, maybe they'll decide I'm going to do emails and review that document at home when it's quiet. I'm going into the office midday for a collaborative meeting, and then I may work in the cafe for the latter part of the day. So they really start to be able to have this choice and this ability to curate their day that 
works best for them. I mean, that really resonated with Nav and myself, I think, because that's exactly the experience that we have. You know, we were both in the office two days this week. And I know I, for one, really value the thought that I've got today at home to just get on with things. You kind of go into the office, get things moving, and then can sit back and actually do your own work. Some really insightful, useful points there. So thank you very much, Kelly. Oh, thank you so much. It was so great to visit with you both. We welcome your feedback on the podcast. So please aim all your comments to waneditorial at haymarket.com. You can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. So follow, download and join us as we look into the world of architecture from a female perspective, wherever you are. (laughs) 